Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to this installment of the Steel Conversation Podcast Playoff Edition. Hard to believe that months ago when we did our first podcast, we were on the dawn of a new season. Well, now that regular season's over, and let's hope for the Steelers' sake at least that their playoff season will last well into the month of January. And joining us uh, from Cincinnati Bengals on 24-7 Sports today is Derek Lewis. Derek is going to provide us the perspective of the opponent uh, for Saturday night's game, the Cincinnati Bengals, who are the Steelers' opponent in the AFC Wild Card game. And if you've been following uh, the, the recent news, both teams will be without some top-flight offensive performers. Uh, for the Steelers, it's going to be D'Angelo Williams, who has officially now been ruled as out. There were rumors surfacing earlier today from NFL Network and ESPN that Williams will be out, but nothing from the Steelers. Well, now the Steelers have officially rolled D'Angelo out for the game. He was day-to-day most of the week, doubtful this morning, Friday morning, and now Friday afternoon he is listed as out. Ditto for Andy Dalton. Dalton had his cast removed from his thumb uh, earlier this week, uh, but it was not soon enough as uh, A.J. McCarron will start for the Cincinnati Bengals uh, tomorrow night. So we've gotten – those big news stories out of the way. Now, Derek, let's talk a little bit more about, about both teams. They're going to play in the rubber match game uh, tomorrow night. But I kind of want to start out with asking you about uh, the mood in Cincinnati. I know you follow their fan base closely. What's the mood with their players and their fans? Uh, you know, optimistic, uh, guarded optimism, open optimism. W- w- what's the feeling there in Cincinnati for this game? Uh, I, I think it's a, a bit of a cautious optimism. Um, I think they they believe that AJ McCarron could possibly get it done, but he's your backup, so maybe he won't get it done. Um, and so it, it's kind of like uh, if if they were to lose this game, I don't think anyone would be shocked. Obviously, it would they'd be disappointed and unhappy since it's the Steelers, and no one wants to lose the Steelers. But uh, as far as you know, putting all their eggs in this playoff basket, I think especially with Andy Dalton being out there, they're not willing to do that. Now, McCarron has played uh, well in the last three games. His first action, first extensive action was against the Steelers back in week 14 when after going through an interception to Stephon Tootie, he tried to tackle the big defensive end, and it didn't go well for him. He broke that thumb, and uh, McCarron came in and played pretty well. He threw for 280 yards, uh, two touchdowns. But he had those two big interceptions that led to two Steelers scores. Robert Golden had the second one. Uh, William Gay had the first one that he, he ran in for a pick six. Uh, since then, McCarron has four touchdown passes and no interceptions, and the Bengals went 2-1 and one during that span. And Even their one loss, McCarron played pretty well. Uh, he, he took the Broncos' overtime on Monday night football in uh, Week 17 and nearly pulled off the win. Uh, talk about how McCarron's played the last three weeks, and, and has the Bengals' offense changed at all with him under center as opposed to Dalton? Well, I mean, of course the offense is going to change just because he doesn't have as much experience with the offense. He's, there's not as many things that he can do. Uh, one thing that hasn't changed is uh, offensive coordinator uh, Hugh Jackson isn't going to play conservative, and you've seen that as far as uh, he'll let McCarron have some deep shots downfield. They'll take chances, um, and McCarron's done a good job with those chances of finding uh, A.J. Green or last week when Tyler Eifert came back. He found him for a touchdown. Uh, so he's done well with those chances and has, has made some plays. But at the same time, there's only so much he's going to be able to do in really his first action in the NFL. So uh, he's played well. He's been a, yeah, I hate to use such a cliche, but he's been a game manager. He hasn't thrown any 
any uh, interceptions since being a starter. Of course, he was thrusted into that game against the Steelers and threw two interceptions. So he's managed the game, but he's also not going to win you any games. Um, the defense has to has to really pick him up, provide some good skill position, uh, and then of course his offensive skill position uh, weapons uh, have to have to make some big plays and, and bail him out because he he's not going to lose you the game, but he's not going to win it either. That's a that's a telling statement, Derek. Uh, that that sounds like to me that that you don't have much confidence, which is okay, but you don't have much confidence in that that if if it comes down to McCarron having to put the game on his shoulders, he won't be able to deliver. So you're you're pretty much saying that uh, if the Steelers can stifle the Bengals' um, running attack and if they can you know do well against their defense, and it comes down to McCarron, then the Steelers should have this one in the bag, pending any heroics from from McCarron that, that you haven't seen to this point. Well, yeah. Well, uh, the good news for McCarron is that he's playing one of the uh, worst pass defenses in in the NFL this year. So, I mean, there is mm-hmm. a, a silver lining to that, where McCarron could take advantage of some of these, uh, some of the poor secondary play. He could find AJ Green deep for a couple of balls or Tyler Eifert. Right, and you know, when you look at the Steelers secondary, that that's been the thing all year long uh, from the Steelers has been. Uh, the woes in the pass defense. There was a while where they were 31st in pass defense. Uh, now they're 30th uh, heading into their last two games. Uh, they were actually on pace to be the eighth worst pass defense in NFL history. I don't know where they ended up finishing, but I'm sure that uh, they were still one of the top 20 worst secondaries of all time in terms of pass yards given up. But the Steelers' uh, red zone defense on the other side of the coin has been very strong. They're number one in the NFL with seven forced turnovers when they're back inside their own 20-yard line. Uh, you know, they had, uh, you know, several players have at least one interception. Mike Mitchell had three. Antoine Blake had two. Uh, Blake's been hampered by the thumb injury, so Brandon Boykins had to play more. Uh, pretty much out, you know, on the other side of William Gay, the Steelers uh, have just pretty much had a revolving carousel um, on the other side of cornerback. You know, Blake has had to play through his injuries. A.J. Green carved him up pretty good the last time these two teams played. Um so I think, to me, the biggest thing now is going to be, uh, A, the, the Bengals' uh, success in the red zone, and, B, uh, their success against the Steelers' pass rush. So if the Steelers' pass rush can get to McCarron, that might mask some of the Steelers' deficiencies in the secondary, and that's been the case all year. The Steelers have 48 sacks this season. That's top five in the NFL. As I said, uh, top in the NFL in terms of red zone turnovers. So uh, my question to you, Derek, on the other side of the coin, how good has the Bengals' offensive line been this season, specifically um, since McCarron's taken over? And since McCarron's taken over, how good has the Bengals' red zone offense been? Uh, well, the, the Bengals' uh, the red zone offense is where they, they really get they really get bogged down. Um, there hasn't, uh, I mean, AJ McCarron only has uh, four touchdowns thrown. So I mean, and both uh, the majority of those have been long touchdown passes, um, just outside the red zone or even longer than that. Uh, where they do excel sometimes in the red zone is if they can get into the very, very short yardage and then Jeremy Hill can, Jeremy Hill can go ahead and run that on in. Um, but he hasn't been breaking off uh, long runs this year, so um, that has to be a very, very short yardage situation. Um, but he has been effective on those. So uh, the red zone is definitely where the, the Bengals get big buck down. Um, and so if it comes down to a battle where it's a bend but don't break effort from the Steelers, that's not going to probably get it done for the Bengals. This is Fitzgerald Steelers on 24-7 Sports Steel Conversation. Derek Lewis, good enough to join us uh, from Cincinnati Bengals on 24-7 Sports. Um, 
want to talk to you, too, about the other side of the coin, and I, I think we have a good understanding of, of when the Bengals have the ball. And I think you know, Keith Butler obviously is going to do a good job uh, carving, you know, deciphering and mixing up his blitz scheme. And I guess there is one more question I do want to ask you in terms of offense, Bengals offense, with that in mind and with, with what Keith Butler might try to do to a young quarterback. Um, when uh, McCarron had played against the 49ers and they won, when they played against the Ravens and won, when they played against the Broncos and lost, how were opposing defenses choosing to attack him? Were they doing a lot of blitzes? Or were they just pressing back and just saying, hey, you know, beat us with your arm? Uh, definitely uh, more of the latter. Definitely sitting back and, and saying, hey, uh, if you beat us, you beat us, but we don't think you will. And for the most part, uh, all three defenses were, were correct in that. Uh, the Broncos obviously won the game uh, behind a huge second-half comeback. Uh, McCarron was pretty ineffective in the second half of that game. Um, against the 49ers, he got a ton of turnover help from the defense. The defense set him up time and time again um, in his, you know, with the short field. And so that was the story of that game. And in the Ravens, it was pretty much a slugfest, uh, which broke free of late. Um, so it's more of the Bay Day. Uh, McCarron can beat us with his arm. See today. Um, and not a lot of going to give you opportunities by sitting a, a, a blitz. Uh, they're really going to make them sit back and read defenses. So I, I would assume the Steelers are going to do much of the same. Although, of course, they do like to send more pressure. Right, and, and and that's one thing that I think, you know, that's going to be the tail of the game because if the Bengals can hold the Steelers' rush and it does come down to McCarron trying to pick apart the Steelers' secondary, if he can read that defense early on, that could bode really well for Cincinnati. So hopefully uh, for the Steelers fans, Keith Butler can, can dial up an, an exotic defensive package mixed with blitzes, mixed with just good old pass coverage and, and trying to, you know, win that chess battle and make McCarron think. And I think that's the other thing too. You know, the more you play – uh, any sport, the, the slower it gets, especially football. Um, so for McCarron, when, when Big Ben said earlier this week in a radio uh, interview, uh, you know, the game is so much faster in the pre in the po- uh, postseason. So when you factor that this is McCarron's, you know, what, fourth, third or f- fourth start, and when you factor it's his first playoff game on a Saturday night against an aggressive Steelers defense, you know, if we can make him think, if the Steelers can make him think, that should bode well for the black and gold. Now let's talk about the other side of, of the ball. Um, both teams have dealt with injuries this year on the offensive front. The Steelers have masked theirs pretty well on the offensive line, led by uh, David DeCastro, who was just named an all-pro, to be named the Pro Bowler for the first time in his four-year career. He's done a good job uh, manning a Steelers offensive line that uh, has uh, the Steelers offense ranked as the number one unit in the AFC in yards and scoring, uh, number three overall in the league. Uh, the Bengals, the last time these two teams played, weren't healthy in the secondary uh I know uh, Pac-Man, Adam Pac-Man Jones uh, specifically uh, was banged up, didn't play. I know Drake or Patrick played, but it was well less than 100%. Talk to me about their secondary now and how different it is uh, um, uh, since the two teams played a month ago. Uh, well, uh, as you mentioned, the secondary was wildly unhealthy the, the last time uh, we spoke uh, this week. Uh, I mean, the Bengals are about as healthy as you can be uh, with – having your starting quarterback um, not going to play in a playoff game. Other than their starting quarterback, they are pretty healthy. They have um, they have their H-back, Ryan Hewitt, who's not going to play as well. But it's the secondary, um, fully fully healthy. The only uh, injury concern is really Leon Hall, but he practiced all week. Um, he's probably to go, so I don't see any, any issue with him uh, in the slot there. So, I mean, the Bengals' secondary is a lot healthier than when it matched up with the Steelers the first time around. 
Uh, George Aluka's uh, growing injury has healed up, so he's good to go. Um, as you mentioned, Drake Patrick was a little banged up. He's healthier now, so uh, it'll be a, a much different test for Ben Roethlisberger this time around. And how much do you think the D'Angelo Williams uh, injury will impact this game? Because when you look at the Steelers and Bengals, uh, since uh, Le'Veon shredded them for 185 yards last year in Cincinnati when the Steelers doubled the Bengals up 42-21, the last two games, and obviously uh, Dane Bell was injured and D'Angelo came in late, had a long run, had 72 yards rushing, but the Bengals in the last two games have not allowed the Steelers to rush specifically well against them. And before Bell, I heard he really had not done a great job against Cincinnati's defense. Uh, so talk about, you know, in my, my vantage point, in my opinion, I wrote this earlier today, is that I don't think the Steelers need anything crazy out of uh, Fitzgerald Toussaint uh, and Jordan Todman, who will probably play a little bit too. Um, I just think they need to just, you know, get those three yards, get those four yards, do something to make the Bengals respect their ability to run. And if they can do that, then I think the Steelers can can it can kind of be business as usual. Obviously, they might not be as efficient as an offense, um, but if Tucson can can just keep them honest, if he can you know have one of those games. I think earlier in the year, D'Angelo I think had about 77 yards on you know 22, 23 carries against Cincinnati. I mean that's not a, a world-beating performance, but that was good enough to keep the pressure you know off of Big Ben a little bit, and I think that's gonna. Uh, you know, that's what the Steelers need, along with the pass protection that Williams provided. That's one thing the Steelers say they like from Tucson, that, that he's been able to do a good job in practice in terms of showing that he can, he can be a formidable blocker uh, for Big Ben in the pocket. Is that the kind of is that kind of the same thing you're thinking, that the Steelers really just need to show they can run the ball at all, or do you think it's a bigger loss uh, than what I'm saying? Uh, well, I feel like it could have a, a pretty huge impact on the game from the standpoint of uh, we spoke about this last time we talked. Um, the Steelers have to have, as you just mentioned, the Steelers have to have a run game to make you uh, respect the pass, uh, to make you to open up everything else. They need to be able to establish that they can run the ball effectively. So uh, if they can't, um, that's going to let the Bengals' corners key in on, on everybody else. Um, the Bengals already do a pretty decent job in Antonio Brown, not letting him become like an extension of the run game as he can be at times. And so um, if if they continue to do that job and then you're not getting the short yardage, um, the short yardage game from your running back, uh, you know, to get you into the third and threes, uh, the third and fours, as we, you know, as we spoke with last time, that's when the Steelers beat you. Uh, when you're in a short yardage situation and they kind of uncork that deep ball when you really have no other recourse but to let them do it, and that's where they get their big plays from. So if they can't do that, then that means that it has to be a much more ball control offense, uh, which will bode well for Cincinnati because they don't give up a lot of touchdowns. Especially in the rest. They don't give up a lot of touchdowns. And I don't think Cincinnati's defense has gotten enough credit for how well they've played this season. I mean, they were 8 0 at one point. They, they held that potent Steelers offense to just 10 points back in the Week 8 showdown, albeit that was Big Ben's first game in over a month after. Missed the entire month of October with with his foot injury, knee injury, and whatnot. Um, so now, you know, I, my thing is this: is that, and this is where I I, I think this could be the biggest outcome in the game, uh, and it could be a good thing for Cincinnati if, if you can bear with me for a second here. I think first with the Steelers, you know, if you look at the Steelers this season, and I, and I've said this all year, is that as well as Angelo played, and he had some big games for us. Um, he was never really the reason why we won. We were going to win or lose by our offense in the passing game, and that was it. We were never going to sit down. And I think that's one reason why we lost to the Ravens was because 
it was pretty much, you know, D'Angelo was having his way against uh, the Ravens' rush defense in the first half, but the Steelers uh, couldn't stay disciplined to the run. They, they went back to their bread and butter, the passing game, and they kind of banged their head against the wall because the Ravens weren't going to let them win throwing the football. So, in my opinion, this doesn't really affect the Steelers as much because the Steelers have never relied on, on their running game to win them games since Bell was injured. It just hasn't been that way. And I think as well as D'Angelo has played, they don't have, they never had the confidence in him that, hey, we can give him the ball 30 times to win a football game. And that's no indictment on D'Angelo. That's just, A, the player that Le'Veon is, and that's how good the Steelers' passing game is. Uh, and I think for Cincinnati, though, I think before, they were never going to win a game with their uh, running backs. And as good as the Bengals' defense has been, they seldom won games because of their defense. When they beat Seattle, and largely it was because of Andy Dalton. Even when they beat the Steelers back in Week 8, Dalton threw the game-winning pass um, and made the plays when he needed to. So I think, you know, for the Steelers, things don't change a lot. But do you think that might be good for Cincinnati? Because now, uh, you know, in the playoffs, you know, passing games get you into the playoffs. But I think a good running game and defense will, will get you to the Super Bowl. Do you think that this actually might be in, in some ways a blessing in disguise because now the Bengals will have to play more of a, of a full football game in all three phases to win? Um, maybe I, I misunderstood the question, but what do you mean uh, by a blessing in disguise? Well, I, I think the, Steelers, or the Bengals may have relied on Dalton a little too much in the past. And I think now they're going to have to buckle down and run the ball and, and kind of play you know well in all three phases to win. So in some ways this might be a blessing for them because in, in playoff years past with Dalton, they had to rely, I think they've relied on him way too much. And I think now they'll have to settle down and actually try to run the ball, try to have a balanced offensive attack, and also play well on defense. Oh, well, okay. I, I, I get where you're coming from there. Um, in the past, I definitely do think they've tried to force the issue with, with Dalton a little too much uh, when he wasn't ready for that. Um, this season, I wouldn't necessarily agree that they, um, as, as far as it being a blessing as guys, they were playing a pretty good, they were playing pretty well in all three phases, I mean, from, from the jump. So I, the, the defense has definitely won a, a couple of games, uh, even when Dalton was, was, was rolling and, and going. So, uh, I don't think necessarily from the standpoint of Dalton's out, they're going to do a little more. They're going to do things that they 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 would haven't they wouldn't have done otherwise and be forced to play a better a better football game. I think they were going to do that regardless, just with how Dalton's developed and how they uh, you know moved the offense to to support him. So I, I don't necessarily uh, agree with you on that one as far as uh, it being a blessing that Dalton's out because it'll make them play a more uh, controlled game because I think they were going to do that anyway. Okay, okay, fair enough. And uh, looking at the Steelers' passing game, uh, teams have elected to, to defend them differently. Um, I know with the Bengals it's been, uh, you know, let's let's try to shut down the or um, Antonio as much as possible and force the other receivers to step up. And so in two playoff games because of that, Heath Miller's had uh, 20 catches in, in those two games. Um, and Marcus Wheaton's also done pretty well. So do you think that that's going to be what, what the Bengals continue to do? Uh, it's just try to contain Brown and Bryant and just force the Steelers to do well up the middle, or do you think they'll change things? I don't personally think they'll change anything, but I wanted to get your opinion on that. Oh, no, I, d- I definitely agree that they'll, they'll keep with that same uh, plan of attack for trying to contain Brown, trying to keep him, as I said before, from being that extension of the run game and, and racking up all those catches, which then get you into those short yardage situations. But I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly on that. I think they'll continue with that game plan, especially if they can uh, stuff the run and and put the Steelers in some long, some long early, some 
some early, some long downs early. Why was that so hard to say? Why was that so hard? Um, <laughs> I guess you had tongue twister there. But if they can do what? that, I definitely think they'll key in like like you said. Let's talk about pressure. Um, you know, obviously, and, and this is something that's kind of crazy, is that people don't think about this, is that if the Steelers don't win on Saturday night, this will be the longest uh, playoff win drought they've had uh, since they won their first playoff game back in 1972. The Steelers have never gone five straight years without a playoff victory. That's something that's on the line uh, tomorrow night. Um, so there's definitely pressure on the Steelers' side. I mean, as a lot of people know, Steelers fans, uh, you know, they they have high demands of their team. It's not just – I mean, don't get me wrong, the Steelers fans were happy that the Steelers made the playoffs, uh, you know, last Sunday. But come Monday morning, it was it was over with, and, hey, let's, you know, let's go back to the Super Bowl. Let's win a Super Bowl, uh, which obviously means winning on Saturday. On the other side of the coin, you have the Bengals who, as you alluded to earlier, not as much pressure because Dalton's out. But still, I'm sure, I mean, the facts are the facts. They lose this game. That's five straight playoff loss. Um, who do you think has more pressure uh, on them to win this game? I honestly think it's the Steelers just from the standpoint that their fan base always demands uh, winning Super Bowls, especially when you factor in that, that Big Ben's 33 years old, he's not getting any younger, and that this team uh, needs to maximize the seasons they have left with their franchise quarterback. What's your take on that? Well, it's weird because if you had told me before the season – uh, the Bengals would be in a playoff game in Wild Card Weekend, and they'd be the team playing free and easy and with less pressure. Obviously, uh, I would laugh in your face. Uh, very, very hard. But with the circumstances being as they are, uh, Dalton being out, and you being on your backup quarterback, who's in his first year as a you know first year starting, first playoff game ever. Suddenly, the you know the Bengals are playing pressure-free football. Now, I mean, on the other hand. They haven't won a playoff game since 1991. Marvin Lewis has, is 0-7 in Wild Card Weekend. So, I mean, I mean 0-6, he would be 0-7 if he loses the game. So, I mean, those things are going to – it's easy to say right now as of Friday that the Bengals are playing without pressure, but let them lose that game and then see what happens and see if that pressure doesn't, you know, kind of find itself. So, it's a situation. It is, it is, and it's it's one of those things where, you know, the Steelers obviously don't want to waste the years that Ben Roethlisberger has left. But on the other side of the coin, um, you know, the Bengals, you don't always have defenses as good as the Bengals are. And Geno Atkins now is in his late 20s. Uh, you know, uh, Adam Jones is not a young man anymore. He's in his, his early to mid-30s. Uh, Carlos Dunlap, he's probably, you know, he's in his prime. You don't have to really worry about him going anywhere anytime soon. But, you know, I think for the Bengals, when you have, and, and I would say they have a championship caliber defense, you know, you've got to maximize those seasons too. Um, so I think there's equal pressure on both sides of this ball game. I think, I think, you know, if things were a different way, I mean, heck, the Bengals have just as many wins as the top two seeds in, in Denver, New England. You know, and they were a missed field goal away from from beating uh, uh, the Broncos, or you know, just a few weeks back. So this could have been an AFC Championship game, no question. I mean, with the expectations of both these teams uh, heading into the season, uh, both these teams made the playoffs a year ago. Uh, they're the last two winners. Uh, of the AFC North division, this could certainly have been an AFC championship game that we're going to see on Saturday night. So expectations were high for both teams. And I think whoever uh, wins this game is going to have a big springboard of momentum for next weekend. And I think the losers definitely are going to be feeling the brunt of criticism from their fan base. Uh, Let's talk about the rivalry a little bit. There's about five minutes left on the show here. Hope you've been enjoying it with us on Pittsburgh Steelers on 24 seven sports, the steel conversation. 
a lot of rivalry talk. Uh, it's been toned down, though, um, this past week. Not as much has been said. I know Vontae's perfect. The Bengals linebacker said he, he hates the Steelers. and, and uh, But really, on the other, beyond that, the Bengals haven't said a lot. The Steelers have really said nothing all week long. Um, one thing I don't like about this weekend is the Steelers and Bengals will have the same officials that officiated or tried to officiate, is the better way to say it, the game a month ago when there was a pregame, almost a pregame fight that broke out. And then all the late hits, the fines that were assessed after the game, there were a total of five fines to three different players assessed on both sides. And Burfix will hit on a big bend that wasn't flagged. Um, do you expect the same kind of chippiness? And are you surprised that, that there's been very little trash talk this week? I'm not in terms of the trash talk. I'm not necessarily surprised about the trash talk. I don't think either of these two teams, although they hate each other, they don't really like to do a lot of too much yapping. Even before the last two games, there wasn't really a lot set before the game. And then after the games were in the fireworks happened or during the game, as it may be. Uh, but I, I, that doesn't really surprise me that nothing was really said that much during the week. Um, I do find it quite odd that the NFL is trying now the same officiating crew that, you know, Referee that last that last matchup. I mean, they fine. So many fines came out of that game. Um, everyone was talking about how it was a black eye for the league. I think that was a bit overstated, but that's not that's not the point. The point is that the league didn't like the look that it got from that game, and you're basically sending mm. the same people who couldn't control that game to this game. So it's it's weird. Well, I don't it doesn't make any sense to me, but you know the NFL really does. So. Well, you got that right. I was I was shocked when I saw that the same officials did that game are going to be doing this weekend's game. And you know, to me, they they have to do a much better job policing the game. And I, you know, I don't think there's enough onus being put on the players to, to act like professionals as well. I think, uh, the, and, and me included, you know, I, I criticized the NFL yesterday and the story for, uh, you know, electing these officials to to do this game. But at the same time, you also have to to put uh, ownership of, of and accountability on the players. You know, they they are they're ultimately the ones that are going to decide whether they're going to act like buffoons or act like professionals. So, you know, it goes for both teams, and, and that's what I want to see. You know, I want to see a game where it's a hard-fought game and the team that deserves to win wins the game. I don't like seeing games decided with penalties and late hits and cheap shots and shoving. I love the intensity of this rivalry. And I can say it's, it's become a rivalry over the last several years. It was definitely won 10 years ago, and it's been rekindled now. Um, I just want to see a clean game and the best team win, and I, I think that's that's what any fan can want, and I think that's what the NFL wants. I mean, I don't think the NFL wants to take the physicality out of this game. Um, I don't think they want to take out the passion uh, that both teams have and their fan bases have for this game. But I'm sure you can agree, Derek, that I think everybody just wants to see a really well-played game, uh, a very passionate game played, and the best team win the game. Yeah, well, uh, no one wants to see the game decided by, you know, stupid penalties or, or, or crazy mistakes. Uh, a fight breaks out, and that that ends up having a deciding effect on the game because of a crucial, you know, penalty. Um, no one wants to see that. At the same time, where I mean, I do agree with you that players need to take that onus upon themselves to, you know, not do that. But it is there is a lot of animosity. There's real anger in this rivalry. Um, there is, you know, it's a football game. They're out there to physically take the other one out. As far as you know, it's a physical game. And so that's what the referees are there for, is to be the arbiter, to be the cool-headed one, and to police that and to stop that from happening. 
Um, so I do agree that the, the players need to have cooler heads. Cooler heads need to prevail at the standpoint of not hurting your team. I, I do think that the NFL um, needs to do its part as far as if that's not what they want in their game, your arbiters have to decide to take that out of the game and have control of the game. That's what they literally get paid to do. Exactly, exactly. And uh, run out of show, less than two minutes left. I'll put it on you first. Your prediction for tomorrow's game. I think the Steelers, uh, the win. I think it'll be a, a little closer than people would expect, um, but uh, it, I, it'd be hard for me to pick A.J. McCarron um, against Ben Roethlisberger in a, in a playoff game. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if the Bengals won. That wouldn't. I wouldn't be sitting here uh, flipping over my chair. But I, I definitely, I definitely give the Steelers a slight advantage. I do too. Uh... Just for a few reasons. A, you nailed it on the head. Whenever you look at these kind of games, I look at two things. I look at defense and I look at quarterback play. And, yes, while the Steelers' defense is, is not the Bengals' defense, it's, the Steelers' defense has shown this season that it can rise up when it needs to. Uh, it's forced a bevy of turnovers this season. It's gotten to the quarterback when it's had to. And I agree with you. I just think as well as McCarron's played, uh, I think that, that you know Ben is just more uh, primed for this situation. You know He's been in the playoffs since his eighth playoff run. So, and very few times to be lost in the first round. So, I think he's going to be dialed in. I think the, it just comes down to the running game. Can the Steelers do enough running the ball to keep uh, the Bengals from just teeing off on Big Ben? Can they protect uh, Big Ben? They've done a good job recently uh, protecting him. There's been three games this season where the Steelers haven't allowed a sack. They've got to protect him. And the defense, it's on the defense. All year long, the Steelers' defense has gotten tired of the criticism. Well, they have a chance tomorrow to have the final word and the final say on what people will be saying about this team looking forward in the 2015 season. That'll do it for this installment of the Steel Conversation Playoff Edition. For Derek Lewis, this has been Brian Diardo. Thanks again, Derek, for joining our show. Uh, hopefully stay tuned for next week's Playoff Edition or season ca- wrap-up. And as always, it's a great day to be a Steelers fan. <laughs>